Let's do it. What topics do we want to get into today? Uh, I want to talk about, uh, obviously, business. Okay. Um, goals. Yeah, like we ended up met, meeting with a mutual friend. Yeah. Um, similar goals, life goals. Okay. Business goals. Hardship of business. Oh, shit. Yeah, like that might, that, that could take up the whole time. Yeah. And golf. So Kate, how, how long have you, how long have you been in business? I've been in business with DK 14 years. 14 years. 14. Yep. And then before that, um, I was with Ashco for probably close to six, six years as a superintendent. So construction has been your entire career. It has been my entire career. I did help out at the airport for a minute. Did you? Yeah. Yep. Like helping, pushing wheelchairs and stuff like that. Dude. <laughs> Dude. I mean, you, you can't be a professional golfer with this. I'm still out. You're still out. I'm going to like putt this with a forearm. Little low flying shot. Yeah, something. All right. I like it. Let's just see. Good strategy. It went right into the. <laughs> That went right into the trunk. All right, try it again. All right, here we go. Well, I'm past the tree. All right, we got through. Oh. I have hit a bucket of balls by this time. <laughs> Alan, how did you get in business? Um, you know, it's interesting. Um, my dad's an attorney. My brother's an attorney. I struggled in school just because I'm super ADD. And so I always felt like, um, like I, I just wasn't gonna find success. And I had, I had to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, I actually went to work for a landscaper when I was in high school. And um, we would do landscaping in the summer and then build like block buildings in the wintertime. And I didn't love landscaping. It was okay, but like, honestly, it's hard work. It's really hard work. But I loved the construction aspect of it. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I served an LDS mission in Hawaii and then came home and, you know, everyone's thought is that you have to go to college, right? And I dreaded it, honestly, but I still, still signed up anyway. And I went... Uh, Went back to college and dude walked into the classroom and I was like, this feels just like high school. And I just, I, I saw this future of me like hating everything I was doing there. And so I bounced after two weeks and I never went back and I was like, well, we've got to figure something out. Um, so I went back to work for that, land, that same landscaper and um, you know, just kept building in the winter and, and then went to a commercial contractor and worked for them for a little bit and uh, got fired after about a year and thought, well, <laughs> got to start my own thing. I was, uh, I was young and cocky enough to not know how difficult business was. How old were you? 22. 22? Yeah. 
I think that, uh, I honestly feel that most people, especially if they're young and they start in business, they, they have no idea what they're going to be getting in for. Which sometimes I think is actually the best way to go about it. Because if I, if I knew everything that I was going to deal with and how difficult it would be, like it would be a hard decision to make. But going in blind and then just having to figure it out as you go, that's probably been... That's probably been the best thing for me. That optimism, being optimistic, is probably what helps start a ton of businesses. Oh, absolutely. Because exactly like what you said, if it was mapped out as to, as to what you were gonna go through over the next you know, five, six, 10, 14, whatever, however many years, yeah, you'd probably be like, no, I'll just stay here. Totally. I'll just collect a check and <laughs> go well, from there. I think it's I think it's easier to think like that, but but there's also something inside of me like breaking tees off. I've never been, like I've never been satisfied. Yeah. Right. So I think I think that's another part of it too is like I've always been looking for something more, and I don't know if that's. It's always been there, so I, I don't know if it's I don't know where it came from. How was your childhood? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we want to get into that on this one. Is that, was that, did, would that have, uh, you know, did you have a lot? Is it like growing up and stuff like that? Did you have a lot? Is that what set the drive? To... No, no. As a matter of fact, um, my, my dad worked hard and he, he always provided, you know, I, I like, oh, come back. That's in the pond. Dude, they're not. Like I, I feel like I feel like he did he did a good job taking care of us. Yeah. Um, but there were a lot of of wants, and I, you know, my my dad always said that I had a, a what is it wine taste on a beer budget. Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot of that. But um, my childhood was difficult, and it, there was just there was some family dynamics that um, that were difficult for a long time. So I think I was I think. I think I was trying to escape my home a lot when I was a child, right? I don't know, I don't even know what to add there. I, I, it's kind of, it's interesting asking that question because um, I was like given everything. And so I think most people would think that if, if you grew up that way, then maybe you would be lazy or not push or expect from others or something like that. Right. Where had you not grown up with it, you're going to be most likely to grind. Okay, and, so let and me make something of let it. Let me ask you this: Were you given things or opportunities or both? Both. Both. I was given opportunities to do like play sports or do what I want, mm -hmm. but I was I would get all the backing that I needed, and more. Yeah, I feel like I was given opportunity too, and I was given like I was given things as well. Um, Ooh, but it was like, I, there, there wasn't ever support. You know, like I can't, I honestly can't remember a time that like my parents sat down with me to do homework. You know, I actually, I started failing school um, in fifth grade because uh, like I just didn't, knew, I didn't know how to do homework. And so like, I knew I had to get it done 
So like I, I remember walking home from school, looking at the homework and knowing there was like, let's say there was like 25 problems I had to do. And I would just write on a sheet of paper one through 25 and then just write random numbers. Cause like it was math, right? I had no yeah. idea. So I just write random numbers to, so that my homework was done. So that if like my mom asked, hey, is your homework done? I could be like, yeah, it's done and show her a piece of paper with random numbers on it. So like there was, there was like, hey, did you get your homework done? But there was never any follow-up. Do you understand it? Do you know what you're doing, right? Do you, do you understand the concepts? Hey, let's look at it. Let's work through it. None of that. And it's been interesting because my wife um, has been amazing at that with our kids. And so like just to see the difference between like how my kids have been raised versus how I was raised, it's kind of mind blowing. So I, and I think that's probably what started the trend of like me thinking that I, I wasn't smart um, because I just did so poorly in school. And I was just, I, I, the, the reality is I just, I wasn't taught any systems of how to, how to deal with it. I was, I was a lot similar in that way. Um, I go, go. Oh, let's go. <laughs> well, you're putting. That's a I, shot right there. I was a lot similar that way with school. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't recall my mom ever asking me, did you do your homework or not do your homework? I just would, it would be grades coming to her and stuff like that. I'm sure she did. But <laughs> were, I, they, were they F's and D's? Or did you do okay? You know, you know what? It was, uh, it was pretty rough in the beginning. Um, when I was going to, I went to Westlake junior high and that was like some hood stuff it's no longer there so i can talk shit on it. <laughs> it it was like some hood stuff like right? more hood than thomas jefferson junior high out in west valley same which is where jaron and i met probably the same Yeah, we grew up out in yeah probably the same so okay. i think i was like a, a one seven or something when i was going there sloughing nice then i had to go to kennedy junior high they shifted me at like eighth grade yeah and i had to be in uniforms and really? it actually yeah it actually helped from there, then it turned around to like two eights, three O's. Here's the deal though. I, the same thing. There's not enough time in the classroom to fully explain how to do the problem. No. And you're, you're gonna lose that. You're gonna forget about it within an hour of leaving that class heading to your next class. Right. So then I had all the intentions of doing it, but when I would get home, I would be like drawing a complete blank. <laughs> you're like, how the hell do you do this? Yeah. Like, could, so. I'd go home, I'd go back to class, and I was always like the first one in class, and I'd always sit by pretty smart people. <laughs> so I'd be like, slide my sheet over, and the girl next to me would look at it, she'd slide hers over, and I'd fill out my paperwork. <laughs> okay. And so that's, that's a lot of... I mean, look, like school frowns upon that, but that's like brilliant in the entrepreneurial world. Dude, that's gonna be in the house. Guys, it is tough to talk about other things while you're golfing. That is for sure. Um, yeah, it is. It, is it really, really is. Tough. It's super difficult. So that that's kind of how I got. That's kind of how I got through the homework stuff. With school, don't hit the fringe. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me is, um, you know, school teaches you to memorize just certain things, but they, it, for me, I never felt like I understood the why behind things. And if I understand the why behind something, I feel like it's easier for me to 
really learn it and understand it. And because my, my brain wants to get a solution, but it'll take a different path. Right? Yeah. Dude, my hat's off to your wife. Cause like, why do they give you home? Why do they give the kids home homework? At the level they're at. I don't know, dude. It's a ton of homework too. My ex-wife and I have the same battle every time. I'm like, don't send the kids if they got homework. <laughs> I don't do it every day. So some of that, I'm like, I, you don't even use that. Yeah, no, for sure. There's a ton of that. Who? Oh, going left. Come here. There we go. Oh, that's a beauty. That's a beauty. It's a beaut, Clark. We like it. Yeah, so anyway, not doing, not doing well in school um, kind of led me to that path of like, I, I have to figure out what I want to do. And, and it's, you know, the other interesting thing that I, I know about myself is like, oh, shit, I, I'm not a very good employee. Okay, explain that. Well, I'm super ADD. So like I, I want to do, like I, I want to get things done and I, I'm really good at starting something and I'm really good at actually like going down, um, diving pretty deep into, into things. Um, but I always need help to, to finish things up. So it's like, as an employee, I feel like, uh, I feel like, you know, someone wants to give you a certain task and have you complete the task on your own, right? And for me, like, I always felt like I needed a team to get things done. So, like, I, I can dig in and I can understand things really well, and I can explain things really well, and yeah. I, can, I can say what I want, and I know what I want, and I know how to get there, but I, I need a lot of help from other people to actually get it done. Does that make sense? Yeah. So anyway, I think that's why I've always just done my own thing. What in the world? So your dad, your dad had a construction company, right? Yeah. So he, he was with, uh, what we got here? 80, 282 yards, part five. Yeah, he did. He had a construction company. He still does. Same company. Um, Ashco. Yep. Oh, thin. And did your dad have any help starting his construction company or did he, was that something that he just thought he wanted to do by himself? That was it. He was with, uh, he was with uh, a pretty well-known guy, Hal Hudson with Advanced Interiors. Uh-huh. He was with, he was one of his main guys or the main guy um, for, I, I think, I, I don't know the timeline that he was with him. It was for a while. Um, and then I was probably, I was in elementary when my dad decided to go out on his own. I remember him taking the tests in the living room, like studying. So he's, yeah, he's, I mean, He's at least 20, 20 some years with Ashco Construction. The semi-retired right now. And how did his company do right away? Do you remember? Like I remember he, he did really well. Like just out of the gate. I, I remember he did pretty good. He, uh, 
they had, I, I mean, he, I would say within five years or so, I feel like he was, my dad's going to hear this and be like, what in the hell? But <laughs> he's like, you got it all wrong. Um, I would say like within five years of what I remember, he was in several states. Oh, for real? Yeah. Yeah. So he was in, uh, again, I apologize, Pops, but I can't remember exactly, but uh, Nevada, yeah. Arizona. Um, he ended up doing stuff in Wyoming. But yeah, he was mostly in Nevada and Arizona doing, uh, did uh, auto zones or checker autos. Oh, okay. And stuff like that. So ended up getting in, getting with, um, he ended up doing a ton of Arby's for both corporate and the franchisees around here. So that we, we did a ton of those. Yeah. So I'm curious to know, like, if you ever saw your dad deal with business struggles? Yes. Yes. But at the time, being young, I didn't actually know they were struggles. So is I, it just now that you've gotten older and reflected back? I can, like, I can see what had gone down. Really? But yeah. So there was a time, um, I remember him getting rid of his truck and getting a new, newer truck. New as in it was a different color, stuff like that. Okay. But what, what I didn't realize was it was a downgrade. Yeah. For reasons. Yeah. So he, he, oh, he had a secretary embezzle, end up embezzling a ton of money from him. Really? Yeah. Yep. He didn't claim bankruptcy. He just paid everybody back. It took him a little bit, but that was kind of, that kind of reeled him in from being state to state to state. That kind of reeled him in and brought him back to downsizing, shrinking to my cousin and I. Oh, really? Yep. And then so just the three of you. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So that had to be, that had to be a pretty difficult transition for him. Yeah. I bet it, I bet it was. And I didn't even, I didn't even see it. He didn't even show it. You know, cause it's interesting because like, I, I, I feel like both of our companies have grown a lot and are, are doing well, but in the back of my mind, there's always that fear of like, cause I, I've, I have had, like, I've lost everything before and had to start over and it's, it is not fun. And I feel like I, I learned a, a, amazing lessons there, but it's still a little bit in the back of my mind. You know what I mean? Of like, what if, um, what if this goes, goes south again? Like it could happen at any time. Yeah. And then asking what, you know, uh, how would you deal with it? Yeah. And the, yeah, nothing's promised. That's for sure. That's for sure. But it is kind of funny because as I, as I get older and I see, you know, there are times that I used to think, good dad, you're crazy. And then now as I get older and I go through the lessons, I'm like, it all makes sense. What are some of the biggest lessons you've learned in business? Ooh, the hot spot. Um, Vina. Oh, that was close. I'd say one of the biggest things that I learned in business uh, would probably be if, if it has to do with everything that you do, it, it can't be vague. You can't, everything you do has to be, you have to explain and detail. The biggest thing is, is make sure that everything you do is detailed out. I used to think that if I say uh, just metal stud framing as per plan. Right. 
that I could get them on a point, but in the end, you're leaving yourself wide open right. to just get hammered on. Yeah, totally true. So I think the biggest lesson was, was making sure that what you bid and what you put in that job, you detail it out. So, so, so creating really clear expectations. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it makes it, it, you know, it makes it super easy because you either did have it or you didn't have it. It's not me just saying as per plan and then as stuff changes, you just get hammered. All right, so I'm gonna put you on point a little bit. I'm gonna, I'm gonna push here because um, that it's one thing to create really clear expectations on paper. It's another thing to create really clear expectations in conversation. Have you learned that ability? When talking with people? Yeah. Uh, give me an example. Well, an example would be, um, you know, like I said, on paper, you can detail everything that you're using, yes. right? But uh, uh, an example of like dealing with employees would be like, hey, like I expect the job site to be clean. Okay, well, what's their interpretation of clean? What's your interpretation of clean? Could be totally different. You know what I mean? Like, are they thinking that clean is like, just not piles of shit everywhere or like not a stick of wood, no dust in the, you know, like what does it mean? It could be. And I, th I think that's something that's been kind of difficult for me is because I have, I have high expectations and I think sometimes I think I'm clearly explaining what I mean and setting a clear expectation, but when it's not met again and again and again, I have to ask myself, is the expectation not achievable or am I not being really clear about what I expect? So they bring in this new project manager and I put this estimate together, right? And, um, and I take it to him and he starts telling me like how I've screwed everything up, like I've, I've over, like I've priced things too high, um, you know, that he comes from the owner's side so he knows what all the numbers should be. Um, and that like uh, the way I've done it is totally wrong, right? Yeah. So he goes in and he starts cutting this estimate, like slashing my prices everywhere, right? And I'm like, you know, everything I've been taught from the other project managers, he's like cutting it in half. And I'm like, dude, like you may know the owner side, but you don't know the contractor side, like this, we need some room here, right? And I was getting super frustrated. So he did all of that. And then he brought in the, the VP and um, you know the VP's going through it and he's asking questions. And he doesn't, the project manager doesn't totally know the scope of work. I, I do because I'm the one that's been digging in the plans, right? And so we're going line by line and he's like, oh, okay, let's talk about this one. And I've just got this just shitty attitude and this ego. And I'm like, well, he cut that in half and it should be more than that. And you know, we're not gonna make money here and we'll probably lose money there. And I've just got this freaking ego, right? Like that guy has no idea what he's doing and he's destroying this budget and we shouldn't even be doing this and we're not gonna make any money. And about halfway through that estimate, the VP looks and he says, so you've been telling me this entire time we're not gonna make money. And I'm like, I don't think we will. And he's like, why the fuck are we bidding this then? And he stands up and walks out of the room. Two weeks later, I was fired. I wonder whatever happened to the other guy. I, I don't know. I was gone, man. I was out of there. You know, I remember there was a, a kid that came to work for me and when he first started, he was making $7 an hour, you know, and, and when we, when he left working for me, he was making $21 an hour. Like to be able to take someone and give them, give them upward mobility while I'm getting upward mobilities, it's been one of the greatest things in my life.
And that's actually kind of where my passion is now because I think, you know, I love construction, but I, I'm not out there doing construction day to day. I'm in the office and I'm talking about building a business and I'm looking at the business and the, the greatest joy I get is actually when I show up on a job site and I see guys like Matt, you know, with this big smile on his face and he's out there working it. And, and I love that with the jobs that my company is providing, he has a job and he's paying a mortgage and he's feeding his kids and he's buying trucks and he's going on vacation and, and his family is taken care of. And the people who work for me are the same thing. They are taking care of their families and they're paying bills and they're, they're having up more upward mobility while I'm having upward mobility. I like it. I love it. It's a good feeling. It's fantastic. To see like everybody winning. Yeah. And even when it's, even when like, even when that like it's, construction is super challenging. I think it's one of the most difficult businesses to be in. Our margins are super thin. We're always dealing with problems. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of egos in our industry, and and even when things get difficult, like I love bringing people together and finding a solution. And even if it sucks, we're able to come together as a team and still get it done. Yeah, and that speaks volumes. Like when you talk about people's character. That speaks volumes. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's, it is, uh, it's not an easy sport. No. Going back to, you know, just, just the fact that you have to bid everything and then you, you can't miss stuff. You have to make sure that you've got it all. Um, material costs could change. Labor costs could change. Um, the environment can change what you're doing. There's, 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 you can win big, but you can lose big. It's not, it's not like going, going to a convenience store and knowing what that candy bar costs, knowing what your overhead is, how many do you need to sell a month, like a month. Right. It's, it's not anything like that. Yeah. But you know your margins. Your margins are what your margins are. And unless you sell more, you're not going to make any more. But it's relatively safe. I feel like versus construction. You could misbid stuff. Yeah. You know, you don't, you have to pay for that candy bar before you walk out. Well, and I, that's always been an interesting thing to me, right? Like it's, and look, I get that everyone has overhead on the front end. Everyone has to pay out for their supplies, you know, but, but it was always like the model of, of construction of like, hey, we'll build all of this stuff and then you pay us for it versus McDonald's where they're like, okay, we made your sandwich, but you have to pay me before you get your sandwich. You know, yeah. like there's so many times we are delivering the sandwich and hoping we get paid. And in residential, like I, I actually found that that was a really difficult thing. You know, I felt like, um, which is one of the reasons why I moved to commercial construction. I felt like all the time when I was doing residential construction, building homes for people, it was like we were delivering a product and inevitably it went over budget because they wanted more than they could afford and they thought that they would be able to figure it out in the end and the end came and the way they always figured it out was by coming to me and saying hey can you give me a discount can you go talk to your subs and ask them for a discount because the product's already done yeah you know what i mean yep and then there's the bill and the bill is always more than they can afford that makes it so hard it's difficult because you know the thing is and, and there's a part of me too like I know there are business owners out there that would be like, well, tell them to pay in sand, you know, pound sand, take their home, 
um, you know, tell, tell them, you know, you file a lawsuit or whatever. But, but for me, I was, I always, um, I think I was always a little too empathetic because my thought was always like, man, what if I was in that same position? Like, can you imagine the stress that I would have? And then like, I'd have employees and they'd be like, yeah, but you don't have a brand new home. Like they, you just built them a brand new home and you're still living in an older home. You know, and I'm like, yeah, but that situation would still suck. So I think, I think, I think that's another reason why I probably struggled in residential a little. It was just because I was, I was too nice and I was too empathetic and I needed to get people around me to kind of be a barrier to where I, I can't hurt myself. And that's, that's actually been one of the greatest things about the team I have now, you know, Nicole. Yep. And, um, she like, if it's not fair, she won't do it. If it's going to hurt us, she won't do it. She won't allow it. And like, she's, she's been the greatest thing for me because she's the one who stands up and, and is that, that wall that I need. She's that protector that I need, right? Like I've got this vision and I know where I want to go and I know what I want to accomplish. And I know that I can build great teams and I know that I can, you know, go get, uh, build relationships and get big jobs but I need someone who, who will protect me. And she's, she's done that. She's amazing. And she, she lines out the whole company and takes care of that in every way. That's like a lot of with me as well in some situations. You know, if they, I'm a sucker. So if they come to me, I most likely will say yes or. Yeah. But if I, if I, if I stay back or stay away or ha say, hey, you got to go talk to, you know, don't come to me. Yeah then it works out a lot better because well, I don't know if I, I don't know why it is, dude. I just, I feel for the situation and. Yeah, no, I totally get it. And I think, I think that's pretty common with a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of business owners, right? Like we're so driven to be customer service oriented. That we don't want, we don't any, we don't want anyone to be angry with us or be upset with us or be disappointed in us. That was a good, Sam. Get over, a, get over. a good ball. Dude, I'm super grateful the way that I got taught. And like the six years that I, I was actually behind my cousin. Uh-huh. That was, man, he taught me a ton as far as, I, I bet he stayed up all night mapping out what he was going to do the next day and how he was going to do it and every single step. Really? Yeah, I bet he mapped out where the parts were, like Home Depot. <laughs> Dude, he was, but everything ran pretty smooth. Well, yeah, if you've got that kind of, if you've got that kind of organization, it's going to go really well. It was like a one-two punch. He would, he would mostly talk with the owners, be doing the work. You know, I would get him all the tools. He'd go talk to the owners to get ready. I'd have everything laid out and plugged in, ready for him to go, handing him everything. Then the minute we were finishing up and he was like maybe running the last little bead of caulk on something. He'd then get up with a rag and go talk to the owner, and I'd have everything wrapped back up, put in the truck, and it was like a done stamp. That's awesome. And it was like done. And that we loved it. Like that was, but then, like I said, we did, I'd, I've done so many doors and door hardware, panics stuff, door closers. I have done, I can't tell you how many toilets, how many sinks, floors. So let me ask you this, because like, I, I like the dynamic you talked about, like between you and your cousin and how you guys think set up and, and how you acted as the team. Um, I, I've done a little bit of coaching and mentoring on my own to, to business owners and got, people are just starting out and not necessarily just in construction, like in some other businesses too. 
And what's been interesting to me is one of the biggest hurdles for a lot of people to get over in the beginning is hiring employees and developing a team. They want to do everything themselves. There's got to be a point that you turn into the business owner and you put your bags down. Right. Well, and even, even if you have to self-perform for a while, like having people help you. Did you, like right out of the gate, when you started, did you have employees right out of the gate or were, was there ever a moment where you were trying to do everything on your own? This is a funny story. So when I, um, with, with my old man and I, we just sat in butt heads. You know, it was a lot of, uh, me working for him was really hard. A lot of butting heads. Um, we did not have a good relationship. So we kind of just said, you know, shook hands and said, I, let's go separate ways, which was hard for me because my dad's company was a really good company. You know what I mean? Right. It was, it was an easy go to just stay there and, and, you know, work truck and constant paycheck and everything. Um, so it was a little bit risky where I just was like, okay, hey, I'll, I'm going to let this go and try my own thing. But I was confident enough that I felt like I could. Um, and I started out doing somebody's bathroom their basement, a kitchen, yeah, you know? Yeah. And then one day, and this was just me, and then one day my old man was like, hey, because I, I never thought that I'd ever be doing drywall. Never in a million years. <laughs> never. Right. And one day my old man was like, hey, we've got a subcontractor that really needs help framing. Do you want to frame? And I'm like, well, I've never done metal stud framing. He's like, ah, oh, it'll be easy. Dude, we were at his house. I think it was like Thanksgiving or something. Yeah. And he's like, do you want to do it? And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. And he's like, do you want to start tomorrow? Because I think it was like Sunday. <laughs> and I'm like a little hesitant. He's like, oh, I'm going to come with you. You and I are going to frame it. And I was like, all right, let's go. Yeah. So it was in Ogden. It was a job in Ogden. And we went there and my old man framed with me that we got cruising and uh, he helped me. We kind of figured out how much wall we could get done in a day so he could help me with pricing and stuff. And, right. You know, we're just bouncing stuff off each other and. Yeah, he helped me frame my first job. And then from there, I found somebody. Then I found another guy. You know, then you lose a guy. Yeah. Then oh, another yeah. couple guys. Then you're worried about trying to pay for your gas for your car. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're like, I can't even get to a job site because I can't pay for my gas. Like, I got to get some money here. Oh, shoot. All the struggles. Isn't that funny? <laughs> one more time look it didn't even pick it up so oh, i know that's what i was like this dude it like, didn't even this doesn't even matter we'll put it god sit, I... sit stay on shit oh one more time one more time nice and easy come on it's all in the rhythm right it is i like can't I like just stay solid instead of fluent. Little easy, easy, easy. <laughs> <laughs> that is, right. I cannot get that off a of mat. Shipping's hard. I can't get it off a of mat to save my life. Oh, I got par there. Yeah, dude, I remember the days, man. Worried about paying for gas. Yeah, after I uh, after I lost everything um, in 2008, when everything shut down, I uh, 
I had my <laughs> I had my truck repossessed because like I lost everything. And I and here's the thing that was crappy is like so I I had a couple things with with the bank right. And I was totally current on my truck payments, but I was behind on something else. And so I, dude, I, I had no idea that the bank could come take your truck if you were current on that, but behind on some, another loan. Like I had no idea. Another loan that was with them? Another loan that was with them. And so dude, one, one morning, there's like commotion out in the driveway. And my wife is like, what is going on outside? I'm like, I don't know. She she opens up the window and she was like, someone is stealing your truck. <laughs> Go out there, it's getting repossessed. Anyway, um, that kind of sucked. But the, the guy was cool enough because I actually had job supplies in my truck for a job that I was heading up to Idaho to do. Like I had it full of stuff in the truck. And I was like, dude, you can't take all of that too. So he was actually cool enough. He, just, he like waited and let me unload the entire truck get everything out of there before he took it, right? But still, I was left without a truck and I, I had to figure out a solution quick and I just didn't have any money. Um, and dude, like I, I got on KSL, started looking and I found a, a, a 1993 F-350 single cab and it was 3,000 bucks. And I was like, okay, I can afford, like I have enough cash to buy that. And um I get a hold of this, uh, this guy has it and he shows up and it is a freaking high school kid. And the seat is torn to shit. You know, like you can see the springs in the seat, but I was like, I, there was nothing else really that worked. And I was like, I, I just need it. And I was like, dude, it was one of those moments where like, I think I was 29 or 30 and I'm buying a truck from a high school kid because that's all I could afford. And I had to get a pillow to sit it on the springs so I could drive that truck to work. But the thing that totally sucked is it like, it got like nine miles a gallon. <laughs> so I, I was like, I just couldn't even afford to put fuel in the thing. Oh, uh, that was an interesting moment. Ooh. So Cade, what are the things that have kept you going when things are really difficult? Um, I am not like, I don't give up. Why? I don't know, dude. I just don't give up. I always, I'm very not, I'm a very optimistic person and I always feel like there's a way to get through it. Yeah. To get to the other side. And then at the other side, you know, you got another chance. So I guess that's probably just, that's probably it. I, I know I can do it. It's just whether or not. Whether or not what? You can feel free to talk. What's that? Just talk through my backswing, whatever. Just tell me. You, you... No, I always have the confidence that I can do it. So if there's ever an issue or, or something or a hard spot, um, I can always see the future. Yeah. And I always feel really good about the future. So you never find yourself in moments where you're like, Trains coming off the track. All the time. <laughs> I feel like it's all the time. Right. Well, so like, how do you get yourself out of that moment of like the trains, the trains coming off the track? I just focus and I just work. I just, 
you know, I, I, again, I'm very optimistic. Like I know that if I get through this section or this hard path, you're like, you're like, this son bitch is coming off the track. This was a, a track in front of me. <laughs> and it's going to land right yes. off that thing. It's yes. going to be smooth. It's coming off the track, but it's going to land on another one. It's landing on the next track. We're just shifting lanes. <laughs> I'm going to put that question back your way too. Okay. Um, what gets you through the tough stuff? Go. Oh, that was bad. Because it's pretty, like, it can be pretty frequent. You'll go through spells where it's pretty easy. Then for sometimes, like, when it rains, it pours. It kind of feels like that. Yeah, I, th I think, um, I, I think for me, like, I've learned a lot of really good lessons in life that, that go back to faith and my belief in God and really um, being able to have belief that someone else has control and can help. Yeah. And so, you know, like I, like I said, for me, like one, one of the things that's always been difficult for me is I always feel like I have to have a team to get things done, right? Yeah. And so like the idea of totally relying on myself has always kind of been a little bit difficult, but being able to rely on God to like back me up yeah. has been one of the things that's probably been the biggest game changer for me. I think that's that's kind of that's your. I don't. I think a lot of I think a lot of people think when there is an issue or something that goes on, I feel like they think it's the end of the world, and maybe it's because I've been through it so much that I I always feel like there's a way, there's always a way. This is not the end of the world, you know. Just look for the way and go for it, and just keep your head down. My old man always taught me that um, if you are having hard times or something's rough in life, whether you got a divorce, or you got this or that, work. Keep working. Put yeah. your head down, work more. Yeah. Because the minute that you don't do that, and you're just gonna start compounding all the issues, then if you stop working, right? you know, the, the, the one thing that you can do and the one thing that you know is there is work. So put your head down, go put your time in it. Well, and actually one of my favorite sayings is, God loves effort. Right. And that's that same principle of like, look, if you'll if you'll put your head down, if you'll go to work to your point, something will open up. A yes. way will a way will appear. You know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times like there's just been moments where like, you know, you need money at a certain time and you have no idea how it's going to get it. But you go to work, you do it anyway. And then somehow it shows up. Something you know, pops up. Something pops up. Or an opportunity, yeah, a job absolutely. starts or yeah. something like that, that you're like. And I think, I think probably the other thing is just that to your point, like it's happened so often that, you know, it's almost expected that something will pop up, right? You're just yeah. like, you're like, dude, I like, I've been down this road so many times. Like I'm, I'm not afraid anymore. Yeah. Give it a minute. Like yeah. it's not, it is not the end of the world. Something will, like we're continuing to work. We're continuing to do what we have to do. Something will start up. Something yeah. will happen. Yeah. I promise. And it, it, like, it does every time. I think the other part of that aspect for me, too, is, like, I, I feel like there are a lot of people who rely on what I'm providing. And so it's, it's almost like that, you know, that realization of, like, if I do stop, 
what's the collateral damage? And so you just like, there's, there's a part of you that's like, I absolutely can't allow that to happen. So what has been the biggest lesson that you've learned? Um, that it's all about people. And if you're chasing money, you'll never hold on to it. Like it's, there's an interesting thing. It's like whatever you're really trying to chase, like if it's, if it's not meant to be chased after, it, it will never really work out. It'll you know just, what I mean? Like yeah. I, I remember when I first started, like I, I just, I wanted to be rich. Right, I was like, that, that's all I wanted. I wanted to have money and be wealthy and, and that's all I was concerned about was like, I just, I wanted the money, the money, the money. And that's, that was my total focus. But there's something that's interesting about money, right? Like money itself is not fulfilling. Money itself doesn't fix anything. Money itself is, is never like the solution for what you think it's the solution for. Money is fantastic and it's, a, it's an amazing tool. Right, and that's one thing that I've learned is like money is only a tool and it's a fantastic tool and you need to have it in order to bless and benefit and help others and to create things, right? Um, but if your aim is to get money for money, you're always, you're never gonna be satiated. If your aim is to get money to develop and build and help and it becomes about the people, then the money's always there. The money's always there. It's like, it's like tides in the ocean. You know what I mean? Like it's constantly coming in. It comes in, it goes out. It comes in, it goes out. It comes in, it goes out. But when it comes in, you're able to use it to bless and benefit and help grow. And that's, that's that idea of the money going out, right? If you try to hoard it, it's like if you're trying to grab, you know, a, water out of the ocean, like it's, it, you're not going to hold on to it. It disappears. I, I, I was thinking about when you were saying chasing it. The more you, and a lot of people do say that, the more you chase it, the more it'll, it'll run from you. Yes. Um, or the more you chase something, it will run from you. Yes. But I think that if you chase relationships and opportunities. Well, that's why I said if it's something then that's you not have meant some, to be yeah, chased. Then you have something fulfilling. Yeah. That is worth, you know, if you just sit and chase money your whole life, you're just, you're going to be a sad, sad person. Right with no friends. Right. If you chase relationships and, and opportunity, then everything else will fall in place. So I'll tell you how I learned that story. It was really interesting. So I used, my emotions actually used to be pretty, pretty driven on how much money was in my bank account. If I had a lot of money in my bank account, I was happy. I was, you know, it was, I was fun to be around. Um, but as that balance lowered and lowered and lowered, I would become more aggravated and ornery. And, and it was funny because actually it was one of my employees that pointed it out to me. And he was like, dude, like, you're a lot of fun when you have money in the bank, but like, when you don't, like, you're, you're not a nice person, you know? And I realized my emotions were kind of based off of that. And that was actually before I lost everything. Like I was doing really well. We were, we were building a lot of homes. There was, a you know, plenty of money, plenty of trips, plenty of fun. And and playing, right? And, and thinking that that was solving my problem. Um, and then I, I, through 2008 came and, you know, we were owed a million six and I collected like $153,000 and lost everything, lost everything. It was a total reset. Um, 
you know, fast forward a couple of years, I started uh, Alco Construction, right? Like it took me five and a half years to crawl out of that. I started my new construction company. And there was one day, uh, it was a Friday, and um, driving home from work, I get into my driveway, throw my truck in park, uh, grab my checkbook, because there's a couple checks that, there's a couple bills I need to finish paying, right? And I'm writing these checks, paying these bills, and my balance is dropping, boom, 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 boom. And like, it was like, it was low. Like, I think I had like 150 bucks left, or like, you know, I, I mean, it wasn't much at all, but, I was just, I was so happy that I, I had met all of my commitments for that week. And my emotion was no longer ruled by it. And then that's, I had this realization, like it clicked. It was like, oh my gosh, money is just a tool. That's all it is. It doesn't, it, 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 it can't, it can't fix me. It can't bring me what I, what I think it's supposed to. It's only here as a tool to help me on my journey. And from that moment on, my relationship with money completely changed. I've always had, I've always had enough money for my needs and to be honest, most of my wants. Like it's always been there. You know, and that went, that went from a time when payroll was, you know, like $3,000, you know, every couple of weeks to, you know, $90,000, like it's, I mean, it just keeps growing and it's, and I've always had enough for everything that I've needed. And I think it was because my relationship with money switched and I no longer gave a shit about money. I was like, what, what can I use this tool to build and who can it help? Oh yeah. yeah. Keep progressing. Yeah. We kind of talked about that where we kind of talked about that with the money and everything, you know, if, if even at the end of the year or something, if it looks tight or whatever, you can look back at what you have built, where you're at and how much further you've progressed. Yeah, absolutely. 129. Uh. All right, Cade. You want to talk about golf for a minute? <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> What's your favorite golf course you've ever played? Top Golf, Las Vegas. <laughs> no, <I'm not. laughs> is, that, is that listed in the top 100? That's yeah. No, I dude, I I would have to say like, as far as going to golf courses, you have kind of you've kind of brought me back to um, excited to play golf. Sit. Beauty, look at shot. that. Yeah, you've brought me back to being excited to play golf again. Really? And go after courses and stuff. So I I would have to say So would you would you consider me your drug dealer technically? Yes. Like I was the guy who was like, yep. hey, I'll give you a yep. taste. Yep. yep. Okay, that's good. Spending all my money. Spending all your money. But uh yeah, so I, I would probably say when did we go to Stream Song? <sighs> When was that? That was right. Was it before the, was right the first hurricane, year, wasn't was. it? Yeah, whenever the hurricane was. I don't like. Was it November? That sounds about right. Let's say it's November. So I have not played that like crazy of courses, uh, like Wolf Creek or something. Yeah. Um, let's say I really liked Wicopa. Wicopa was fun. I really did like Wicopa. Um, Is that kind of the first time you've traveled for yes, golf? Yes. Oh, see, that's a whole nother level of addiction. That's that's a that's a problem. I yeah, that's itching. an itch. Uh huh. 
That's for sure. Yeah, I'm itching. So like we talked about having like that golf map of like the top 100 courses or something in the world. Yeah. Be good. Be good. I think it's short, man. All of them have been. No, it's rolling on. Oh, oh we're on. that's good. That's a par right there, man. That's a maybe even a birdie. Let's see what it does. Twos. Par on par. Way to go. Um. Yeah, what's your favorite course? Because you've been to some courses. <sighs> okay, so a lot of people would just be like, what in the world? The old course in Scotland is amazing. And it's really cool. And there's like, I... I shit you not, like it's a spiritual experience. Coming up 17 and 18 at the old course in Scotland is just amazing. But there's a course over there, uh, King's Barnes, that is lights out, so much fun to play. So much fun to play. And that's, um, that's one of my favorites. Uh, another one that's just, just, just epic is, is Whistling Straits. Um, fantastic course and it's difficult. Like when I played that, we played um, we played 36 holes back to back, and it's a walking course only. So I remember like the the second round by the 14th hole, I was like, I am so done, I'm just done. But I couldn't quit. Like that's there's a part of me that's like, you have to finish playing. I wanted to quit by the 14th hole. Yeah. That's what TPC we played Champions in Stadium. Yeah, and I love Stadium. I thought Stadium was fantastic. But I mean, there's so many, there's so many amazing courses. Um, there's one in uh, Georgia called Sage Valley that is unbelievable, unbelievable. And it's like, you know, people will say that Bandon Dunes is like Disneyland for dads. Yeah. Uh, it's because they haven't been to Sage Valley. <laughs> like seriously, here's the thing with Bandon Dunes. Bandon Dunes is fantastic. You go up there, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of in your own place. The courses are great. Um, but but you you still feel like you're in the world, right? You go to Sage Valley, you pull off this road. It's it's right by Augusta in Georgia. There's a, a little road you pull off of, and there's a gate, right? Like way far back on the property, there's a gate right there, and you can't get in if unless you're you're going to play. They let you in. You go on property, and you never leave again. The houses are on property. There's a par three that's lit up at night that's on property. The restaurants are on property. Like everything happens there, which is why dude, like that is Disneyland. And you get there and it's like the grounds are so pristine, amazing, beautiful. These red brick walls that line pathways and the grass is perfect. And the clubhouse every morning at 8 a.m. you hear the, the um, bagpipes playing, right? 8 a.m. in the morning, 5 p.m. at night. They're playing two times a day. The staff is amazing. You walk in, right? Country club, you walk in, sir, you need to remove your hat. Oh, shoot, right? It's one of those things like it is tradition steep. Take your hat off. You, you go and like in the men's locker room, there's, there's a little place where you can eat in the men's locker room too. Like it is very old school, traditional. This is the way we do it, old boys club. And it's, it's something else. It really is something else. So you got me all excited wanting to go. Dude, it's... It's fantastic. I'm actually going there again in, um, in uh, like six weeks. It's fantastic, fantastic track. It's so much fun to play. Who'd you go there with the first time? Uh, Rich Day. He's a member there. All right, so talking about chasing things that are important, right? I have a son that's 15 years old. 
And he's, uh, he's always been a pretty reserved kid. He actually has a kind of a difficult time making friends, um, but he's like the sweetest, greatest kid that's out there, right? It's pretty cool to like when you first meet him, but once he warms up to you, he kind of knows who you are. Like, like a, well, he's not, he's not cold. He just... Um, I say cold in the fact that like he's not, he doesn't engage. Like, he yeah, he's, he's not an extrovert. He's absolutely an introvert. You know what I mean? Yeah, so like he... He has a hard time putting himself out there. Um, and like I said, like he's the, he's the sweetest kid. And so, you know, at that age, like that 13, 14, 15 year old age, there's an interesting dynamic that happens with young men and they start to like tease each other. It's, it's kind of this, you know what I'm talking about. It's this weird dynamic Razzing that you go through people. at that age where you razz each other. Yep. Oh my gosh, he would bully Yeah, but like my, my son doesn't understand it. Yeah. The you back know? and forth Raz or yeah, like he's he's like he's like the nicest kid. So like he would come home and it'd be like, you know, like I I don't know why like the like they tease people, not even teasing him like tease people right, and I'm like well yeah it's just kind of you know what teenage boys do, so anyway like it's 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 kind of one of those things like as a father I'm really concerned about him, because I of course I want him to have friends I want him to enjoy his experience in junior high I want him to I want him to learn how to develop relationships with people the same age and, and learn those qualities, right? And I, it, it just, it wasn't happening for him. And, and, um, and I just, I had this thought of like, how do, I, how, do I chase, how do I chase this? How do I fix this? How do I help here, right? How do I add value? Because as a father, sometimes, especially around that age, it's really difficult for a father and a son to have those conversations. You know what I mean? Like I remember being really guarded and not wanting to talk about it, especially with my dad, because it's it like, it's just a weird age. So I was like, man, what, what do I do here? And, and I just, you know, I remember my wife coming to me and she was like, Hey, like you, you got to figure out a way to like build that relationship. And I was like, I, I know I get it. Like I felt it for a minute. And so I, I invited him to start coming to the gym with me in the morning. So I go to CrossFit. I wake up at five o'clock every morning, go to, go to CrossFit at 5.30. And like, think about this, like a 14 year old boy, like, hey dude, you wanna wake up at five o'clock in the morning and go to the gym? What's every kid gonna say? No way. But he was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Let's try, right? So, um, so he starts coming to the gym with me and it was amazing to see him get these little wins and the immediate confidence that came in him. Immediately, and all of the sudden, now it's not me saying, hey, we going to the gym tomorrow? Now it's him saying, dad, we going to the gym tomorrow? I'm like, yeah, we're going to the gym tomorrow. It's him that's waking up before I am, and it's like, dad, we gotta go. Like, you know, class is starting, right? And it's him that's like, hey, did you see my PR? Like, all of the sudden, he's hitting these these milestones and he's changing and he's becoming self-confident and 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 I and I was like okay that was a that was that was a small thing for me but because I was willing to chase it it's changed our relationship completely and not only that but it's changed who he is like fundamentally you know what I mean now like now he sees the strength that he has he's I, I and and I don't think he's I don't think he's as self-conscious anymore I think he has more of that you know, that confidence of like knowing who he is and what he's able to do. And, and even if he doesn't have a lot of friends and doesn't get a, like, still has a difficult time there, it doesn't bother him at all, at all. And that's all I want.
That's I just cool. want him to be happy. That's awesome. Yeah. So you going out and actually, I guess, giving him the opportunity to see what he can do definitely changed. Yeah, something. That's, like. that's all it was. Well, it wasn't giving him the opportunity. It was inviting him to be with me on a journey. Because you, you, there, there's no way you know what you're doing because at the like, moment. It's just like, come hang out with me. Let's go. Well, and here's the thing. Like, if I, if I think about, and the reason you said giving him an opportunity, if I think about that, like for me, that sounds like, hey, I'm going to take you to a gym and drop you off. Right? I'm going to give you this opportunity. I'm just going to leave you there and see how you, no. It, it's different that we're there together, that we're working out side by side that he hears me cheer him on when he does something big. And not only that, but when he sees me like lift a lot of weight and do something that's outside of my comfort zone, like he's like, I want to do that. He sees me on the same journey as him. And he's like that. I, I, I want to be like that. I want it motivates him that pushes him. Right? So it wasn't that I gave him an opportunity. I invited him along the journey with me. And the byproduct of it that you did not know what happened. Had no idea. Is absolutely rad. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. So I think, I think you know, and maybe, and maybe that's the key is like, you know, when you're, when you're trying to chase a relationship, I think, I think too many times we think about it as like, a, as like a one direction deal instead of inviting someone on a journey with you. When you say one direction, it's like, Pursuing, like I'm pursuing you. Like the same thing with business. Yeah. Yes. But it's more of like, it's like the same thing in business. You know what I mean? If you're going into it, go into it wanting to help the other person, like work together and not just a one sided deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's a we situation. It's a we. It's a we situation. And I, I feel like you and I have, like, that's been our relationship, you know? Yeah. Like, we've, we've had some, we've had to have some difficult conversations about projects, but we've also committed that, like, dude, like, we'll figure this out together. Yeah. It's a we. It's a journey together. And, 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 I, and, and the reality is, I want your company to succeed. I want to see you grow, and I get excited when I see you grow, and I feel the exact same from you. So it's like, it's that same thing of like, seeing you stretch outside your comfort zone makes me want to do the same thing. And hopefully me stretching outside of my comfort zone makes you want to do the same thing. And me grabbing you and saying, hey, I've been inspired to go travel for golf because you, the courses that we see in other places are outside anything we've ever seen in Utah, right? Yeah. And I share that journey with you. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh shit, this is it. You know, you become addicted and inspired and you want to do it and I want to do it. And then you bring someone else in that mix who wants to do it. And it's just this, forward mobility of being on a journey together, right? And, and I think that's where real relationships come of like, let's, let's do this together and rally each other on. <laughs> <laughs>